Today is Thursday, December 17th. The title for our devotional is Betrayal. One of the main themes that we see in the farewell discourse is that of betrayal. In this, maybe the most intimate moment Jesus has with his disciples, the threat of betrayal looms large and dominates a good portion of chapter 13. First, Jesus predicts that Judas would betray him. John 13, 21 through 30 says, After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. That, however, wasn't the end of the betrayal. It's bad enough that one of Jesus' twelve closest followers would hand him over to the authorities and betray him. In the next few verses, however, the betrayal runs even deeper. John 13, 36-38 says this, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I'm going you cannot follow me now, but you will follow, follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. But not only will Judas betray him, but Peter, one of Jesus' three closest disciples, would betray him also. Peter would deny even knowing him in spite of his optimism that he would die for him. The bitter truth that we see here in the life of Jesus is that even the strongest relationships that have been built on countless hours spent together can end in betrayal. Even if one party in the relationship is sinless, how much more two sinful people in relationship with one another? These betrayals hurt deeply. This is the risk we run when we give our time in relationship to one another. The risk of betrayal and heartache always hangs over the head of the church. Yet, it is always a risk worth taking. In fact, I would argue that it is in the crucible of these betrayals that give opportunity to shape, change, and grow us the most. How else do we learn to forgive? If we so insulate ourselves that we are never to be wronged or the wrongs done to us don't bother us because we aren't really that close to those people anyways. Consider the rest of Peter's story. At the end of John's gospel, Peter sees Jesus on the shore while he's out fishing. 
and Peter leaps out of the boat, fully clothed and all, to reach Jesus first. After a meal of fish, Jesus walks with Peter on the beach and reinstates him to his ministry, commissioning him to feed his sheep. Then, we know from Acts and church history that Peter continued faithfully caring for the church and spreading the message of Jesus until he was eventually martyred in Rome. This time, when he was faced with the decision to deny Jesus or die, he remained faithful to Jesus and confessed his lordship, ultimately leading to his death. Again, see the transformation in Peter's life. From his overzealous insinuation that he would go to the cross and die with Jesus, to later in his life, actually fulfilling that because of Jesus' forgiveness because of how Jesus reinstated him even after Peter's betrayal. For additional content today, I've included a little bit of a conversation John and I had together talking about time spent with others in ministry. Enjoy. All right, so today let's talk about time a little bit. We're talking about the incarnation and Jesus coming and dwelling among us and how he came to live among us. And I always like to think about how there were a lot of different ways God could have chosen to redeem the world. There were, um, it's a fun mental exercise, but he chose to come as a baby and live among us for roughly 33 years. It's a lot of time. Um, when you see in his life, the ministry that he spent with his disciples, he spent so much time with them. And through his time spent with them, he discipled them and they grew in their faith and trust in him. So um, I'd like to think about how we do ministry to, to boil it down to spending time with people. And I think doing ministry with people can be pretty intimidating when you say, hey, disciple somebody. That's an intimidating factor. Um, but I think when we think of it in this lens of just living life with them, spending time with people, inviting them over to your house uh, and Hopefully through that time, they will catch um, your faith in Christ and grow in their own faith. So John, how have you seen that um, concept at play, either in somebody who discipled you or how you've discipled somebody else? Yeah, so what, what comes to mind for me and what I <clears throat> always think about around this is, is the, the intentionality of it, and that's a very like Christian missional <laughs> buzzword, but I don't use my time well in terms of the mission of of the gospel unless i do it on purpose so i don't naturally i don't naturally flock to to people who who need ministry i naturally flock to people who um are just like my family or like friends that i want to hang out with and chill with right so <clears throat> so what i've learned over time is that if if i don't if i don't make it a priority on purpose um, and not, you know, which is a little different than some of my other, how I think socially normally, because normally I'm more of a natural social person where I'm just like, let's just see where it goes. Let's hang out. But if I don't do it on purpose, it's not going to happen, you know, and that, that's been the same for people who've invested in me. You know, it's, it's not people necessarily who I click with really well, naturally. It's people who, who decide, oh, I'll do this and I'll, um, I'll put, I'll put myself out there. I'll, I'll send the follow up. I'll send the text message. Those sorts of things. And so it's about, um, it's about intentionality. At the end of the day, I also think just even thinking about Jesus's life, how much, 
we would look at that through our lens today and be like, man, he just like, what a waste. <laughs> you know, he barely did any ministry. He was barely on, you know. Right. Um, and, uh, and he, he, you know, even you think about with his, with his disciples where he's, he's praying for such a long time and they're just like falling asleep and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. All these things that from our lens, it's like, gosh, he could have healed a lot more people. He could have, you know, he could have overthrown the Roman Empire. He could have done all these things, right? That's not what God had for him to do. And Jesus knew that. Um, and I think we're supposed to learn something from that because, yeah, we, I mean, again, we, we look at his life and he didn't, you know, he's, there was a lot of time just being a part of the world and a part of a community and a part of a family um, where he wasn't, um, he wasn't uh, this public figure who was doing this ministry and, and gaining this following, right? And so, yeah, I think, I think there's a ton to learn from that, but but yeah, what what I come back to from from my personal experience is is just yeah, it you have to you have to put it on the calendar. If it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you have to you have to create your calendar out of your values, not out of what you want to do mm-hmm. or what always feels like it's the most pressing. You just have to say no. This is this is always going to be important to me, and I have to I have to pencil it in or or not pencil, put it in in permanent <laughs> ink, and yeah. Uh, and and yeah carve out that time yeah what's the what's the modern count for penciling it in on your phone and your calendar i don't know anyways i think uh intentionality is super is super important and i think in that lens um starting with your values of who who you're choosing to spend time with is is vitally important because we can um we can so easily get off track i I i think about this um with my family and doing ministry how often um, how easy it can be for me to spend time doing ministry, spending time with other people so much that I, I neglect the relationships that are most important to me. We have heard tons of stories of pastors doing this. And there's obviously, there's obviously a balance there because pastors could also make that excuse and then just totally isolate with their families and not spend any time with people they are doing ministry with. Um, but that's, that's kind of how I, how I view this is, is, prioritizing who I'm spending time with and that is the ministry that I'm doing. And it's so many, so many times that great conversations have come up. Either it's, it's with somebody that I'm just meeting with to talk about so many good ministry opportunities have come up there. Just, um, having coffee, just grabbing lunch. So those, those things are things that I try to regularly do is just, Hey, we haven't gotten lunch in a while. Let's get lunch. Um, let's get coffee. Let's just talk and see, see where the conversation goes and see where that ministry time ends up. For sure. I, uh, uh, Pete's Cazero, um, says something that I've started saying too, which is he, whenever people say, Hey pastor, now you're busy. Cause people always think pastors are crazy busy. Some are, some definitely aren't. <laughs> um, and some are somewhere in between, but, um, he says, he always tells people I'm not busy. I'm just limited which I think is a great way to reframe that. Cause I, I don't want the people from our church thinking that I'm just too busy all the time. Mm-hmm, I'm too right. busy to talk to you. Right. You know, but I do also want them to understand that like, Hey, I don't have unlimited capacity mm-hmm. to, you know, even if it's not a time issue, it could be just like, I just don't, I can't like mm-hmm. another conversation, another, you know, like sometimes, you know, we're just fried or, or whatever. Right. So I've been trying to say that more cause pe- I don't want people to think I'm too busy. Right. You know, if you've got something that, that should move to the top of my list, then tell me. And it'll move to the top of my list, right? Yeah. But, but I am limited. I can only do so much. I have to guard time for my family. I have to guard time for myself and for, for Sabbath and for God and for those other things. So, so I've been trying to get into that 
mindset. And part of that is, is honestly just accepting how limited I am. There isn't enough. There isn't enough time to do all that stuff today. There isn't enough time for me to accomplish all that today. I'm not, I'm not that special. Right. You know, I'm just right. a normal person. And so that acknowledgement for me has, has helped a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm limited. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not as busy as I am limited, you know, and, and I, and I try to use that lens of A to not get crazy busy, but B to, to not, um, to not, uh, to d still maintain some boundary with people from our church without, mm -hmm. without telling them that I'm too busy for them at that moment. Right. right. I think the, the value of that as a church is, um, since our time is limited, if we want to do ministry the way that Jesus did ministry, I love the picture of everybody in the church just ministering to each other. So um, John and I, we have very limited time. We can't spend the amount of time that we would like to discipling and ministering to everybody in our church. And I, I think that's where, that's where the church model comes into play. That was never the intention of the church. The church was meant to be um, leaders of the church, teaching, training, discipling, uh, people in the church to do the work of ministry. So through through all of our church relationships, we're hanging out together, we're spending time together, and through those through that time that all of us are spending together, we're discipling one another and growing each other more into the image of Christ. I just think that's such a beautiful picture. Today, spend some time thinking and reflecting on forgiveness and reconciliation. Is there anyone who has offended you who you need to forgive? Is there anyone who you need to pursue reconciliation with due to a recent betrayal? Is there anyone who you have offended that you need to go and ask forgiveness? Don't let this be. Pursue forgiveness and reconciliation today. <laughs>